Welcome to Eureka Street Crypto. This is my anti-professional crypto channel. I'm just a barely sane dude who fell down the cryptocurrency rabbit hole. This channel is my fumbling attempt to communicate myself outside my own head about my journey in the crypto space. It is basically my brain dump. None of this is actual financial advice. Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto, broadcasting from Leander, Texas. It is 5.49 in the morning, and it's April 29th, 2022, almost about to roll on into May, and this is episode number 453. So, um, yeah, I've uh, got a lot of different episodes under my belt, and it is building and building every single day. I started doing this October 24th, 2020. And uh, I did it consecutively every single day for over a year. And then now I have just so much other projects that I've jumped in and gotten involved in just from me putting out this message in the bottle in the crypto space. Because when I first started doing this, I did not know anybody else in the crypto space. It was just me uh, watching some YouTubers and following Twitter and then um, trying to learn about it. And I saw the YouTubers and I was like, you know what? I can do that too. I want to get to know some other crypto people. And uh, what better way than to just start putting out your own content and then having people uh, DM you, uh, comment on it. And then just, you know, nobody, I've found that nobody really is terribly mean. I mean, every once in a while you might get the occasional like troll or whatever, but you know, it, nobody really has bad intentions that people have questions. People have say, Hey man, here's a really good article. You should check this out. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate how helpful everybody's been, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's, um, IDEX intern, there's crypto foo, um, there's guess who, there's uh, N big government, there's uh, proof of beans, you know, there's new world ardor, there's there's just a bunch of people that have jumped in crypto chemistry, you know, that have jumped in and just like helped out and like you know, you know, given me motivation and you know, yeah, man. So I appreciate all you guys and anybody else. That Brain Challenge recently has been commenting and stuff and offering encouragement. Um, so yeah, the uh, Ulysses, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that have really just, you know, left comments, given thumbs up and, um, yeah, DM'd encouragement and, uh, suggestions, things that I should look at and stuff like that. So anyway, <clears throat> um, so, uh, today I have kind of a, a, a pretty hefty topic. I want to talk about green Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, I did talk a little bit about it, about it earlier or last week and, uh, and I, I've been exploring the concept because um, I have an application open with a you know, cryptocurrency mining hosting company, and I'm doing a ton of research uh, on the company and on Bitcoin and on you know mining and everything like that. And I've been pretty Ethereum heavy, in, involved in DAOs, involved in Bankless DAO. I do try to cover tons of different projects. You know, proof of work, proof of stake. I recently covered uh, Tokel, you know, which is you know a, based on a proof of work blockchain. And uh, it uses Bitcoin and you know, for its security um, and uh, UTXO style, you know, proof of work blockchain. And um, they have an entire NFT um, uh, application. And Tokel is an NFT application block blockchain. It's, it's used to support it. So anyway, my point is, is I'm I'm all over the place 
you know, studying different types of crypto projects and, you know, seeing what's out there. I'm trying not to be biased, you know, and, uh, you know, say that one thing, you know, is not good where something else is good. Um, everything has their own attributes. Yes, there are plenty of just total scams out there. You know, it's the crypto world. Every time you have a new technology, there's always going to be grifters and con artists and people out there trying to take advantage of the situation of a, a bunch of new people coming into a space that have money or don't have money or are speculating and want to try to seize an opportunity. And uh, grifters are right there trying to lead the flock astray uh, and uh, take everything they have, uh, you know, while, you know, these you know, pie-eyed Pollyanna people are coming in and uh, just see nothing but, um, you know, green pastures. <laughs> yeah, man, there's a lot of thorns in the crypto pasture, so you got to watch out, you know, and take care of yourself. And it's really important to learn how to use um, cold storage, learn how to use a seed phrase, learn wallet security, you know, learn not to ask for help using the word MetaMask on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> because you will be just barraged with bots. If you say, you know, I got something wrong with my MetaMask, I, I can't figure something out, then suddenly you just have your comments section will just be filled with bots. So, yeah, I mean, the stuff you got to watch out for, you know, asymmetric scams you, see, you used to see on YouTube, not so much anymore. Anyway, I digress. <clears throat> um, so let's go over here to this other screen, and uh, I'm not really gonna look at you know the Coin Gecko today. You guys know where Coin Gecko is. I suck at at uh, analysis anyway, and uh, it's not like I know why any of these prices are doing any of this stuff. But Bitcoin's pretty low right now, you know. And I would say if you're dollar cost averaging, um, then <laughs> it might be the time to double up. I don't know, but that's just me, and I do dollar cost average as much as I'm you know, yeah, physically able to. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so Bitcoin's at $38,834.03. Okay, one thing that I said I wanted to cover um, is I've been, like I said, been doing a bunch of research and um, on this company called Compass Mining, and they have this podcast, and it's on Spotify and everything like that, and, you know, Apple and all, you know, all those podcast platforms. And I've been listening to them on the way to work and trying to learn as much as I can about Bitcoin mining. And it's it's really actually very fascinating because coming from, you know, uh, bankless DAO and like a more Ethereum focused uh, type of point of view, there are a lot of people in there who are into regenerative finance, um, you know, uh, uh, things like Klima DAO and stuff like that, that are very climate change focused and green focused. And, you know, that's fine. I totally get it, you know, and uh, but they hate Bitcoin, you know, and there are even people out there. There's just so much FUD, which is fear, uncertainty and doubt going around about how Bitcoin and even NFTs are just destroying the environment and using so much energy and it's, uh, all this ridiculous, absolute FUD. And the fact that there is so much FUD and just trash talk out there against one thing, uh, well, most people would you know, suddenly they say, okay, that signals to them that that is stigmatized and they should not you know, uh, show that they are on the side of what is being stigmatized, right? And that's how the social norms happen. And that's how neighbors start telling on neighbors. You know, we saw all this recently, you know, and still going on with the whole, you know, jab in the arm and the whole mask agenda and all that stuff. You know, uh, you have a large entity telling somebody that something is wrong and you should, you know, fear that and stay away from it. 
And so therefore, you know, everybody starts, it, it creates this like uh, this societal tension against that. So that's kind of what's happening with Bitcoin right now. You know, Bitcoin mining, you know, I, if I were to say that in circles of regenerative finance, they're like, ooh, man, ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's really highly polluting, right? And, and I, when I see something like that, where, you know, the narrative is so hard against something like the mainstream narrative, all that does for me is make me want to go explore why that is so being so marginalized right now. And I know Bitcoin in the past has had dominance, you know, the Bitcoin is still the most dominant cryptocurrency out there. But the fact that there's all this FUD out there right now, and it's this hardcore campaign out there and that Greenpeace is trying to, you know, lobby to promote FUD against Bitcoin mining. And the fact that the World Economic Forum is now trying to urge Bitcoin, um, it, it urge the, the developers of Bitcoin to change Bitcoin's code. You know, have you seen that? Hold on. Let me just see here. Uh, world... Uh, man, okay, the, the, there's this article, this this tweet out there. Okay, no, I saved the tweet in my bookmarks, and uh, my computer's not catching up with me right now. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the World Economic Forum out, is out there pushing hard for uh, Bitcoin to change its code. Like, Bitcoin's, first of all, some kind of company. It's not some kind of company. And then, second of all, Bitcoin is not going to change its code, all right? But, they, you know, they say if Bitcoin were to change to proof of stake, then it, you know, or, you know, do some other things with its with its code, then it'll be, you know, green and, you know, won't, you won't have to worry about it anymore. First of all, if the World Economic Forum is pushing that, uh, I don't trust it because I don't trust the World Economic Forum after everything that's happened in the past couple of years um so yeah <laughs> an old klaus schwab up there i do not trust him as far as i can throw him and uh you know, i kind of have a bad back and uh should not probably be throwing klaus schwab and uh, if you get that reference from what movie then uh i'll uh I don't know. I'll just give you a pat on the back, you know? <laughs> so um, anyway, so yeah, here it is. Here's the article. Um, and of course, this guy is just laughing at it. Sam Callahan. I have no idea who he is. He says, calls Ethereum a company, says it'll switch to proof of stake any day and source Ethereum. Oh, wait, no. So uh, wait, no, no, sorry. That's the wrong article. Um, where is it? This is another, that was another world economic form. Here it is. Experts have found a way to cut Bitcoin's carbon footprint. Um, and here's the World Economic Forum saying a change in the way Bitcoin is coded could almost eliminate its environmental impact. <laughs> and they say a change in the way Bitcoin is coded could virtually eliminate its environmental impact. Okay. Um, Bitcoin code is there for a reason, you know, and while there's been some bit Bitcoin improvement protocols, um, it's 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 not going to be changed according you know under the dictates of the world economic forum that's for sure um but yes it requires a lot of energy and a lot of power and a lot of hash rate in order to be able to do proof of work mining um powerful computers compete to solve complex math problems in a process called mining okay so um that what that does is um, that creates a lot of heat, okay? And then, you know, of course, it uses up a bunch of energy, which creates a lot of carbon. And, uh, you know, I guess the carbon goes out into the atmosphere. And that is where the climate change agenda comes in. And, uh, you know, 
none of us want to live in a polluted um, environment. None of us want to live in a polluted planet. None of us want to see the, the climate change happen uh, because of humankind and because of our inability to steward the earth correctly. Um, I don't think that anybody wants that to happen. Um, however, I do see that there is room for a lot of corruption that can happen um, in, in ways that um, can oppress people and that can um, really be used to enslave society. So, you know, say, for instance, we have climate change coming and um, you, know, you have uh, something coming in that, that uh, basically tracks all your carbon output, right? And they want all the companies and individuals to go net zero. All right. So nobody can technically go net zero. So say you have some kind of computer chip manufacturer, you know, like Intel or something, and they, you know, are being pushed to go net zero. Well, net zero means they would have zero carbon output, which is just not going to happen, but they can do things to reduce their carbon output, you know? So, uh, what can they do to reduce their carbon? Output? I don't know, but they can do a lot of things to reduce their carbon output, but they can never hit net zero. So what do they do in order? So they can maybe reduce their carbon output by 70%. Okay. So what can they do with that last remaining 30%? Um, well, what they can do is they can fund things like tree farms, right? And then so the tree farms would be planting the trees. And then when they plant those trees, they receive what's called a carbon currency, you know. And so they can sell. So so the company like Intel that needs to get to net zero and it has to, you know, um, reduce it by a further 30%, they can buy those carbon credits, you know, f from the tree farm. And so in a way they are funding the tree farm, which is cool. I mean, I think that's great, you know, because it funds, you know, people doing things, uh, for, for, uh, to improve the environment, you know, however, that as great as those intentions are, you know, and as, you know, I mean, I, I, I want to see tree farms funded just like everybody else. However, there comes in the case and the, the, the problem that uh, it could be corrupted. Then who gets to run those tree farms? Who qualifies to be able to make that, that new currency? Because you're basically running a currency mint at that point. You know, uh, Do you have to pay for a license to run that tree farm? Do you have inspectors and, and you know, uh, task squads coming and knocking at your door running audits? Does this bring in the tentacles of the government to the local Local farmer at a level that we've never seen before, you know, and impose enslavement. And then, yeah, like I said, who has the rights to, 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 to farm those trees and to create that, those, those carbon credits. So as we're all being shoveled into cities, you know, we, me and you, the average person will not have the opportunity to be the ones creating these carbon credits, you know, through things like farming and tree farms. A lot of farming will be automated, you know, and then for instance, you see Bill Gates having now being the largest land farm farmland holder in the United States, right? Okay. You say, well, you know, you, you, you control the food, you control the population. Maybe that's why Bill Gates is doing that. Cause he wants to control the food and dominate it, which is not good either. But at the same time, he would also be the one in control of the future money printers. You know, he would be the one in control of the carbon credits while we're all locked in cities, you know, with, with big government sitting here, 
um, looking at all of our daily actions, you know, telling us to hold in a fart because it might redu- you know, destroy the environment, you know, and, and then we'll be taxed on how many times we fart per day, you know? So like that, that's the problem I have with this whole climate change agenda. You know, like I, I don't doubt that there's a lot of man-made issues that are happening. However, the actions like, just like, it's textbook communism, just like every single attempt that has been made at communism is the actual implementation of the beautiful ideology is is the problem. And that's where I see issues coming in, like I just you know demonstrated. So anyway, um, but the point is, back to Bitcoin mining, um, all this narrative is going against Bitcoin money, mining because they do not want an independent money. You know, because what Bitcoin represents is is personal autonomy, financial freedom, financial autonomy, a way outside of this financial uh, carbon credit tax slave system, this social credit system. And so suddenly when you see tons of FUD and tons of negativity towards something, like I said, it drives me to really want to investigate, is this really the case? And so I've, I've been doing that. And, um, you know, I have found that, you know, the, the credit card system uses a hell of a lot more energy than Bitcoin mining. I, I there, um, washing machines, Christmas lights use a hell of a lot more energy than Bitcoin mining at this point. I mean, it, the military complex, the amount of bombs that we're, you know, that, that are being dropped right now uses a hell of a lot more energy than Bitcoin. You know, the prison system uses a hell of a lot more energy than Bitcoin. So, you know, Bitcoin is not the the biggest problem we have right now, if it could, if it could even be a problem. And Bitcoin essentially um, empowers people. So you're using instead of just wasting energy and destroying people's lives, you know, with with a oppressive systemic systemically oppressive credit system, you know, like uh, just Equifax alone probably uses more um, energy than Bitcoin, you know, and then not to mention TransUnion and Experion, the three big credit rating agencies that make absolutely zero sense. Like if you start to pay off your credit cards, then your your credit score will drop by 30 points, you know? So yeah, it's ridiculous. So anyway, rant aside, let's go over here and let's look at some of these green Bitcoin mining solutions because yes, Bitcoin mining is dirty when it's done from coal power plants and it's hot and it's loud and you know it, it does pull a lot of energy, you know, and I've been studying this and, you know, a Bitcoin, one Bitcoin miner will, will you know, heat up a room to about 175 degrees and you can't even use just a regular plug outlet to plug it in. You have to use the big old washer dryer plug in. Was it 220 volts or something? I don't know. In order to just power one ASIC. So, you know, there's... Yeah, it's very power intensive in that way. Um, So people, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of large scale Bitcoin mining operations. A lot of them run off of coal power, you know, and people have been exploring ways to make this more green. And, you know, I've looked at things like Great American Mining in the past and Great American Mining is uh, uh, basically they use stranded natural gas. And if, I don't know if you know this. I've I've come from my background from the energy 
uh, background. That's another thing that really drives my interest is all in all this is my background in um, energy, you know, uh, flow measurement instrumentation being sold to oil refineries and petrochemical plants and stuff like that. Um, but you know, this for instance, you know, you have um, natural gas um, drilling, right? And uh, a lot of times there's stranded natural gas. It's natural gas that can't be used. And so what they do is they burn it off. Well, when I was in high school and I grew up in Kingwood, which is a suburb outside of Houston, and we would, you know, in, in 17 years old, walking across this railroad bridge in the middle of the night, and uh, we went to this spot where we would go to party, you know, and uh, we would go out there with our 40 ounces of beer. We'd bring gasoline with us. And we'd, after we finished drinking the beer, we'd cap, fill it with gas and cap it. And and then like you know have a fire and we would throw the gas into the fire and it'd boom it blow up everywhere well out there they had this because it's humble you know there's houston texas you know a lot of you know natural gas and and oil and everything like that well they had a flare out there in the woods in the middle of the woods and it was just burning day in day out every single day my entire junior year of high school and, uh, you know, there's this big pit around it and it was just sticking out of the ground with this huge, I guess, maybe eight foot deep pit all around it to provide clearance, making sure nothing else was burning. But they didn't know that high schoolers in the middle of the night were going out there and hanging out, you know, bringing stereos, you know, just partying out by the this huge, just like... <laughs> Just, just like constantly just blowing out you know, hot as hell. And we called it the devil's asshole, you know? And so we were out there dancing, hanging out, partying by this devil's asshole. And it, that was just like a constant, just blow off of just potential energy right there. All right. So imagine if the devil's asshole were to be able to be channeled into Bitcoin miners, into powering a generator that runs the Bitcoin miners, right? And so, yeah, you know, you have the the burn off, all right? So instead of that, instead of that, use that natural gas, instead of, you know, putting it towards the devil's asshole, put it towards powering Bitcoin miners. And then, so that gas that would have just been burnt off into the atmosphere anyway, now gets to power Bitcoin miners and it gets to be um, stored potential transactional energy to be able to financially empower people of the world. And that is amazing. So that, that right there is one way to green Bitcoin mine. Well, here's another way to green Bitcoin mine. I'm 22 minutes into this and I still haven't gotten to the damn point. Um, here's mint green. Um, and this is a, um, this, what, what this does is, um, up in Canada, they heat their cities. I don't know much about that because, you know, I, I come from you know, born and raised in Houston, but, uh, they have entire things called, um, green, uh, called energy districts and energy districts are, uh, well, I mean, I guess it could be used to, um, uh, provide air conditioning as well, but, uh, they're, they're ways they're, they're centralized, um, heat and air conditioning districts within cities that, and so the power company, instead of, you know, every single building or house or whatever, having its own, you know, um, tap to the energy and its own AC or its own heat, um, all that is provided by the city in an energy grid, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, 
Yeah, so let's see here. Uh, let me look at, I did have, what is it, district energy? So I had to look this up. Um, district energy systems are a highly efficient way to heat and cool many buildings in a given locale from a central plant. They use a network of underground pipes to pump steam, hot water, and or chilled water to multiple buildings in an area such as a downtown district, college, or hospital campus, airport, or military base. Providing heating and cooling from a central plant requires less fuel and displaces the need to instill separate heating and cooling and hot water systems in each building. So they have these district energy systems that provide um, heat to an entire district. Well, that takes a hell of a lot of energy, you know? Um, so what where Bitcoin mining comes in and, and where this company Mint Green comes in, they come in and they they are a Bitcoin mining company. So they, they mine Bitcoin, 97% of it from the hydroelectric energy up there in Vancouver, right? And so... First of all, a lot of that is is done by hydroelectric energy. So it's a renewable Bitcoin mining. And then second of all, the heat produced from that mining gets turned into the heat into this district energy grid. So the, the massive amounts of heat that that energy grid would have been using on the power grid is now being taken from the heat from the Bitcoin mining. To me, that is absolutely genius. Um, so let's see here. There's an article right here. Uh, North Vancouver to be world's first city heated by Bitcoin. Right. So the city of North Vancouver, British Columbia, runs on a hydronic district's energy system. Hydronic district energy system that I just defined, defined that delivers heat to 100 residential and commercial buildings. Lonsdale Energy Corporation, and this is back in October. The award-winning district energy utility, wholly owned by the city, is on a decarbonization journey to implement more renewable and clean energy, transitioning from the use of conventional natural gas. The, the building sector presently accounts for 40% of carbon emissions in urban areas, but district energy creates an opportunity to reduce the urban carbon footprint through the integration of new innovative new technologies. I think this is great, you know? Um, so yeah, this is a great way to go green and to kind of limit the pollution that happens. Um, so yeah. So anyway, um, in 2022, the city and the Lonsdale Energy uh, will be introducing a novel heat source to their district energy system, Bitcoin mining. Um, over the term of engagement, Mint Green's digital boilers will prevent 20,000 tons of GHGs. I'm not really sure what that means, but... Uh, 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 from entering the atmosphere per per megawatt compared to natural gas. All right, so they're reducing tons of GHGs. Um, I'm assuming that that is the carbon that is produced. Um, so yeah, the, the the carbon product. So production, the pollution, polluting product. Yeah, sure. Uh, so production of both Bitcoin and usable thermal energy positions the digital boilers to be the leading the cost leading low carbon heating technology. So Mint Green, a Canadian clean tech currency, cryptocurrency miner is disrupting the Bitcoin mining industry. Their proprietary digital boilers recover more than 96% of the electricity used for Bitcoin mining in the form of heat energy that can be used to sustainably heat and service industrial processes. Cryptocurrency miners run at full capacity 365 days a year, which creates the unique opportunity to provide a reliable and clean base, clean heating base load for North 
Vancouver's district energy system. And I had to look up what a baseload was too. So baseload power refers to the minimum amount of electric power needed to be supplied to the electrical gear grid at any given time. So right, day-to-day trends of power usage need to be met by power plants. However, it's not optimal for, for power plants to produce the maximum needed power at all times. Therefore, there are baseload power plants like coal-fired power plants to provide the minimum needed electricity and peaking power plants, which meet fluctuating needs. So the demand for electricity um, fluctuates vastly throughout a day, so a baseload power is not necessarily enough. The grid requires the use of peaking power, which is electricity supplied to match the varying demand in electricity. And I think before you're going to sit there and, and produce a bunch of FUD about Bitcoin mining and all that stuff, and, and before you even talk anything about Bitcoin mining, you have to understand the power grid and how it operates. And I've been trying to learn as much as I can about the power grid, you know, but, but yes, there, there's a base load and there's peaks and troughs. And if, if, you know, there's a, most of, of these power plants produce more energy per day than they actually use. So a lot of that energy just goes to waste. You know, and it just kind of goes well, off into the atmosphere, and you know, it it that is stranded energy. And if there's a way to take that stranded energy and use it to mine Bitcoin, and then in a way prov- trans- transfer that stranded energy into potential uh, financial empowerment for a large swath of people around the world, you know. Then that is amazing. Yeah, something that would be outside of the central bank digital currency, you know, that they're trying to implement. You know, something that would be outside of the whole credit, carbon credit system, you know, empowering people. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, back to back to this article. All right. So Lonsdale Energy Corporation CEO Karsten Veng commented, being partners with Mint Green on this project is very exciting for the Lonsdale, for Lonsdale in that it's an innovative and cost competitive project and it reinforces the journey LAC is on to support the city's ambitious greenhouse gas reduction targets. Anyway, so uh, district energy as a whole is trending towards clean energy. When we define district energy, the 2015 report, tw- district report, district energy in cities by the UN Environmental Program cites district energy systems are emerging as a best practice approach for providing a local affordable and low carbon energy supply. I think it's pretty cool, although it does kind of lean a little more uh, towards less autonomy for the individual using district energy, maybe. I don't know, but uh, that's a whole other episode. Anyway, cities around the world are tightening carbon regulations and increasing carbon taxation. In 2019, the city of North Vancouver Council passed a motion for the city to increase its greenhouse gas reduction targets to achieve net zero by 2050 and reduce emissions by 80% below 2007 levels by 2040. Those are huge ambitions. And there's that net zero term again. No way, in no way, shape or form, are they going to get to uh, zero carbon um, emissions. That's just impossible. It's not going to happen. We are living human beings. You know, we we you know use and we produce carbon by our activities. But like I said, that net zero is say you can reduce your 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 carbon emitting activity. You know by fifty percent, and then you know you buy the carbon credits. You know from a a, a green um, activity producer that is producing these carbon credits. 
you buy it from them and then therefore you are at net zero because it balances out your carbon books balance out so anyway further canada has proposed a 170 dollar per ton carbon tax coming into effect in 2029 and that will drive up the recurring cost of conventional natural gas and we're going to see this a lot of you know a lot of governments are going to start implementing all these carbon taxes. And uh, I guarantee you it's going to cause a lot of problems, a lot of protests and a lot of fuss. Um, so we have to figure out ways to work through this and hop on these lily pads of all these changes that are going to be happening. Um, so, uh, you know, and I, there's a lot of cri crypto projects popping up, you know, Klimadao, you know, re refi project and all this stuff that are trying to approach this topic uh, through the use of cryptocurrency ecosystems. Okay. Um, and that if they can work outside of the central bank digital currency, that would be great, you know, but uh, I don't know. Like I said, there's always this weird little space for, you know, the, the, the governments of the world and the, the mal actors to come in and screw it up for everybody. So anyway, the complex issue of carpet change requires innovative solutions and Lonsdale Energy Corporation with the city of North Vancouver is showing tremendous leadership and environmental stewardship, said Mint Green CEO Colin Sullivan. So over 97% of uh, BC's hydro energy mix is hydroelectric. So using that energy twice both eliminates waste and makes this project one of the greenest in the space. So yeah, the Bitcoin mining, the, the okay, Vancouver, BC, North Vancouver, BC's energy mix, 97% um, of that is hydroelectric. So whenever they're producing that energy and that's powering the Bitcoin mining and then the heat from the Bitcoin mining powers the district energy, you're using that energy twice. I mean, that's you can't get any more green than that. I mean, that's insane. So anyway, so let's go take a look um, at this interview here. This is the podcast. Um, it's on compassmining.io under their education tab. Just go in and just search Green Mint and it'll pull up. It's on Spotify. That's where I found it. Um, and listen to this podcast. It is a such a good podcast. Does green Bitcoin mining exist with Mint Green's Colin Sullivan? And um, yeah, I had to listen to it three times. I listened to this podcast three times because it was just like, I, I was just blown away. So anyway, so here's Colin Sullivan saying, well, Mint Green is a clean tech cryptocurrency mining company, and we're doing something a lot different than other companies who may say they're green mining. So where we specialize and where I specialize before was in the crypto space, in the crypto space was heat recovery. And that's sort of our main difference. I'm, I'm speaking as Colin, <laughs> if you didn't know. So essentially we have immersion systems, which are capturing the heat generated by Bitcoin miners. This is like a hashing board here, and these are all heat sinks. So I guess, you know, they showed it on the video. <laughs> so in, in cyberspace, these things generate Bitcoin essentially, but in the real world, they just output a ton of heat. So yeah, in, in cyberspace, the miners, you know, they, they they generate Bitcoin. They do great things, but in the real world, they just look like hot metal. <laughs> so uh, and that, but that the in those heat sinks from the uh, that heat is valuable, right? So um, the market for heat far out seeds the output of the entire Bitcoin network many, many times in Canada alone. 
So yeah, the, I mean, the market for heat, <laughs> that's even more high than the Bitcoin. So I talk about all these things that are a lot more, have a lot higher carbon output than Bitcoin mining, but we don't tell, you know, all these other industries to tamper it down, you know? So why are we, why are they, why is the narrative so hard against Bitcoin, right? And that's, again, it goes back to something that could compete with this whole carbon tax enslavement system <laughs> that could possibly be in, put in. So anyway, so... Um, so yeah, and they just, these things output a ton of heat and that's valuable. The market for heat far exceeds the output of the entire Bitcoin network many, many times over in Canada alone, just in Canada. So we're supplying presently, um, uh, we're on, we're on a project to supply heat to the mash process of a distillery on Vancouver Island. And this was back a year ago today. So, uh, they said we're on the West coast of Canada here, which is really exciting and interesting. And as well, we're doing an application that is actually literally boiling the sea. There's a gourmet salt company, and if you can believe it, they're pulling seawater, and they need a certain temperature and a kind of low and slow to get these nice gourmet flakes. So, And we're able to supply them heat, which is basically cutting their carbon footprint and saving some money and obviously saving us some money on the actual mining costs as well. So they're using, the, before this, you know, powering this district energy, they were using their Bitcoin miner, miner heat to um, heat uh, a, a bourbon distillery and also a gourmet salt company because both of those companies require large amounts of heat in their process. So that's really cool, you know? Um, and then uh, I'll scroll on down here. Um, I have some more highlights. Okay. And they say, uh, here's where the, he goes on to say, um, uh, there's a lot of trapped energy assets out there and Bitcoin sort of, sort of allows that to be made useful and to be made full use of. So like I explained about the stranded energy, about the devil's asshole and stuff like that, uh, we in particular will not deploy um, where we're drawing energy from a predominantly fossil fuel source. So they're not going to be pulling from a coal plant. You know, so in a sense, we like to think of it as uh, twice as clean as any miner. So essentially, our energy mix right now is about 97% hydro, and then we use all that heat energy from uh, from that upwards of 90% of that energy is also uh, able to be reused. So it's kind of a use case where it's being used twice, but from also from a green source. You can't get any greener than that. And I think we're getting sort of near the max threshold for how sustainable mining can be. And I. I don't think philosophically, uh, I do not believe that this is a wasteful activity. I mean, this secures billions of dollars every 10 minutes or so, or even trillions of dollars of value now where Bitcoin is, is you know, well, that was written in April 2021. Bitcoin was, you know, well over 38,000. So <clears throat> all this money is being secured in a decentralized way outside of the purview of a central bank, um, you know, or any type of government and is being secured in value, um, off of green sustainable energy. I think that's amazing. Uh, so anyway, um, and he goes on to talk about some of the problems though, and some of the criticisms. So, so somebody said, no, no, no green Bitcoin. Bitcoin purists do not like that. Um, the fact is there's no reason, but he says there's no reason why it shouldn't be completely fungible. As a blockchain purist, you never want human intervention. Anytime there's human intervention, it is weaker. All right, so that's what the Bitcoin maxis say, and I, I agree with them on that. The solution may not necessarily be on the blockchain, though. But if you were to do it, there's multiple ways 
and even built into the protocol. So there's a level called EPOBCs, uh, which would basically be uh, kernel colored coins. And colored coins are, are a whole other topic, uh, but they're a way to kind of implement uh, identifiers and smart contracts and things like that on crypto on Bitcoin. All right. Because uh, Bitcoin is not made for smart contracts, but uh, colored coins can kind of enable these things. Uh, so anyway, um, they, they could create these kerneled color coins, which are completely fungible, just like Bitcoin, except there's something in there saying that these are distinct. So they would be green Bitcoin. That's what they're talking about. You know, is it is, is it is it even good to create a green Bitcoin? Um uh, so that would be one way of doing it through these color coins, <clears throat> or you can do it through a layer solution. Like, you know, uh, like tether is the most successful token out there, you know, and you, it's on, um, it's on Bitcoin's Omni layer, um, which I don't know much about the Omni layer, but it's on tethers on Ethereum, tethers on Tron, tethers on OMG, tethers on pretty much everything. So something like that, where basically for every green Bitcoin you produce, you produce uh, say X amount of greenness, you get issued a token on another layer. So you, get um, issued some proportional amount of tether or whatever token on another blockchain or another layer for every green Bitcoin could that that is produced. So there's an incentive right there. Um, and then um, so let's say if you wanted an if you wanted to be an investment firm and say for every Bitcoin we we need to have at least as many tokens or half as many of these green tokens to sort of pay for our carbon credits of this. Um, so that would be another way of doing it. And uh, 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 he says, I feel like there's no place for it. Uh, and you could even have a wallet that sort of uh, interpolates these. And they go, uh, well, this, this, the wallet could say, well, this portion is green and this portion's not. And then you would have a regular wallet that would not recognize the difference. And that's fine. And they would be interoperable. So uh, he says, so I feel like there's a lot of investment money out there that would, that would like to sort of meet these, these ESG sort of requirements and be sort of triple bottom line in their investment. And it's difficult for a layman to argue that that's the case with Bitcoin. And I think if if you could, if you could definitively say where it came from, the Bitcoin that is, I think that would be massively in demand. And I think not only there'll be a, a very much a case, that would be very much a case of all boats rising with the tide there. And it would just open up lots and lots of money investing directly in Bitcoin. And so one more thing, the transaction fees would also go back and clean older Bitcoins. And he says he would, I would see it. So transaction fees come into the block and now essentially older mines are older coins are mined in a different way or now um, mined in a clean way. And you can, can sort of rinse the entire blockchain over time to be hundred percent green. <laughs> so that is another way to look at it. Sure. Um, so it, it gives the host says, so it's an interesting theory. Okay. So when you're mining Bitcoin, obviously if there's a secondary token that's produced, let's say, yeah, that if, especially for Bitcoin purists, I think this would create some problems in and of itself. I guess where I stand on this is that I think the incentivization shouldn't be on the token side. It should be on the other side of it, right? Because if we're inviting this in this idea of denominating Bitcoin or differentiating between Bitcoin based on the way that it is produced or the point of or origination, then we're eventually going to get to the point where we're demonizing any Bitcoin that's not produced that way. Aha. Uh -huh. And I think that's counterintuitive to the entire ethos of the system. We would have to have uh, some kind of way to figure out where these Bitcoins are coming from. Um, there would be no with no doubt regulation that would come in that would just in, open the door to regulation <laughs> and we'd have to find a way to ensure or verify that certain bitcoins were in fact green and that adds complication um 
And he says, well, I think that it could be done easier. And I want Bitcoin to be 100 percent by uh, produce." 100% produced by renewable energy. Um, he says, I think that's the way that things will naturally go because Bitcoin miners are always seeking out the cheapest source of power. And by definition, most fossil fuels are more expensive, right? So if you can tap into constant hydroelectric energy, that's generally going to come at a lower price point and with higher consistency than if you're looking at a coal power plant. And then he adds, China is actually doing this pretty well. Uh, well, China banned Bitcoin. So uh, anyway, um, and then Okay, so let's see here. The fungibility thing is the key point. Um, I worry it's the same thing like with Virgin Bitcoins or, you know, uh, the know your transaction situations that were brought up a year ago. And if you don't know what this is, Virgin Bitcoins, people are paying a premium right now for, for Virgin Bitcoins. So Bitcoin that hasn't been used before, like fresh off the miner. And because they don't want their Bitcoin to be having been associated with any type of nefarious drug or money laundering or any type of criminal activity. So people want virgin Bitcoin because they feel like um, some kind of previously used Bitcoin could potentially be some kind of liability to them. Uh, so people are willing to pay a premium. So would people be willing to pay a premium for green Bitcoin? And then it kind of that brings in the whole evil of marketing, you know, trying to differentiate this Bitcoin is better than that Bitcoin. And people start charging premiums and it just ah, then it just completely de-democratizes everything. So um, Sullivan says, I think you're almost kind of undervaluing Bitcoin in this instance. I mean, there's going to be wide swaths of people who do not care whether it's green or not. And this will and, and, and we'll just get the best value Bitcoin they can and not pay a premium for this. This would basically just be giving people an opportunity who are like, hey, we're highly ethical or bound by some sort of regulation with their investment community to be able to get access to Bitcoin without having to, you know, basically write a Ph.D. on why they think Bitcoin is actually green. So there'll be no question about the fungibility. But I mean, basically the logic that, and I kind of inferred in that tweet was, you know, saying you're, de you're demonizing corn by letting people know when one's organic and one's not, um, you're not demonizing the other corn. You're giving people options according to their own ethics. And he says, I think you can do that pretty simply with, you know, something even on rootstock. I mean, there's a million ways to make this that would not interfere with how Bitcoin operates. The least invasive way would obviously be the sort of token, sort of the token you know, that the extra one you get, you know, but I'm like on tether, but I mean, people write things, signatures on the blockchain all the time for specific blocks. I mean, Satoshi wrote something on the very Genesis block, you know, and, and I mean, uh, there's a pool that was sort of on board with this. That would be a very simple way to track that. But I mean, you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a layer of complexity, but it's not a layer the world hasn't dealt with for all time until blockchain arrive. And he's right about that. I agree with him. So then the host comes back and says the idea that one Bitcoin is better than another. Uh, I think that is at my core the issue. You know, just saying that one is better than the other when in reality they're not meant to be a financial vehicle for like certain people to uh, all this is a different way to productize it, right? Uh, and the grammar's kind of messed up, but yeah. So they're productizing Bitcoin, which is, again, that's kind of an issue with me. And, he, and then um, he says, I understand the idea of wanting to make more money off of virtue signaling of this. So yeah, they're basically, is this a virtue signal to make a green Bitcoin? Is it? Is that all it is? It's like a bumper, it's a coexist bumper sticker. You know, it's the Ukraine flag bumper sticker, you know, so, uh, but in reality, uh, that he says, that's all I think it is, is this virtue signaling. It's just a way for people to try to drum up more profit for their companies. 
And he says it's a kind of a fiat means mindset. And I like that, that fiat mindset. And then Sullivan comes back, um, the, the head of Greenman. He says, it's interesting that you say that, that it's a fiat mindset because I don't disagree with you. The issue that I'm running to, though, is like, so when there's a lot of interest started getting drummed up about my company, the discussion was not always... Uh, around about how profitable we were going to be. It was about how this type of activity literally adds value to Bitcoin. So it's basically like if we put an example of a company that's really doing mining in a sustainable, ethical way, that makes Bitcoin a healthier ecosystem in a lot of ways, particularly if we grow. So anyway, I'm way over. I'm at 46 minutes, but I mean, this this interview goes on. I, I highly suggest you listen to it. Um, and uh, look into this stuff. Like if you see tons of FUD about something, you know, whatever it is, always try to figure out why the FUD is there. Is that FUD justi justified? Um, you know, a lot of times if the narrative against something is extremely strong, you know that there's probably a lot of righteous truth on this, on the, uh, on whatever is being you know, uh, argued against. Um, so I don't know. It just led me to explore um, mining, Bitcoin mining even further. You know, a lot of people in the Ethereum space will just say, oh, Bitcoin's a dinosaur. No, I don't think I don't think Bitcoin and Ethereum even compete. They're apples and oranges. You know, Bitcoin is a store of value. It's a source of truth. It's a it's a reserve currency. Ethereum is a world computing system. It hosts smart contracts. It's an ecosystem. It uh, it, it allows de decentralized finance. It allows tokenization and NFTs. So yeah, they're completely different. Yeah, absolutely, there's squares and circles, apples and oranges. Um, yeah, I, I like them both. I like I like proof of stake and I like proof of work as well. You know, I think they both have really good merits. You know, you can't really get to that. You know, complete full decentralization and source of truth and and you know uh, where you really want something to be as a hundred percent source of truth i think through proof of stake and i think proof of work is necessary for for something that yeah yeah is an absolute source of truth um Proof of stake is great for a lot of other things. You know, it's great for the metaverse. You know, it, it's great for fast transactions. It's great for scalability. You know, so yeah, you know, so there's there's great things to both of them. Anyway, I will let you guys go. Um, you know, I appreciate you you hanging in with me um, as, as long as you have. This has been a I'll probably get some backlash on this episode for just some things that you know I'm saying and things I'm bringing up, but uh, you know, just you know, I, I think it's important to talk about this stuff and not just to sit there and just listen to your your talk box tell you what to think. You know, um, really examine all angles of a situation and of an argument. You know, just because somebody says you know the the world's gonna melt, you know, in in ten years. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to believe it. Why? Why do you think the world's going to melt? And why do you want to bring a shovel us all into cities? And why do you want to implement a carbon tax on us? Like, what's going on? I'll be happy to pay this carbon tax if I see it's justified. But tell me why. You know, like, give me a good reason. And so, yeah, not just the world's going to end, and you know, you're killing, you know, everybody. You're killing your kids. You know, like tell me real reasons and explain it to me. Why can't we use Bitcoin? Is it really that bad for the environment? You know, talk to me. So anyway, um, all right. And I, yeah, I, I, 
I got to go. I got to get my ass to work. But um, yeah, a lot of food for thought for one morning, man. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Okay. I will talk to you guys later. Uh, here we go. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically, if you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.